The Warriors win their fourth title in eight years, 2015, 2017, 2018, and now 2022. And this is probably the most impressive, the most remembered, the one that's going to impact their legacies the most. The Warriors win. For a lot of these Warriors, is their fourth title. For a lot of them, it's their first. Just congratulations to the Warriors for defeating the Boston Celtics. Also, Kyrie Irving to the Lakers. Apparently, Kyrie Irving has six teams that he will consider going to if he wants out of Brooklyn. Lakers, Clippers, Knicks, Heat, Mavs, 76ers. Will he go back with LeBron? This is very entertaining stuff. Kyrie Irving always giving us stuff to talk about. Berrettini has won two grass championships in the last month. What are his chances for Wimbledon? He's a finalist last year. Can he win it this year? And Gronkowski retires. He calls it a career, second time retiring. Is he going to stay retired for good this time? And where does he rank among the greats of the tight ends? Is he the best ever? Second behind Tony? Is there other ones? We'll discuss that on this episode 93 of the Hard to Handle Sports Podcast. Let's get started. The Warriors win. Steph Curry gets his fourth championship. Draymond, Clay, and Iguodala get their fourth title. And Steph finally gets his finals MVP. That elusive finals MVP that had been getting away from him for his whole career. He finally gets it. They defeat the Celtics 103-90 to in Game 6 of the Finals. And there's so many storylines to talk about. Steph Curry getting his Finals MVP. The Wiggins redemption story arc. What a great Finals he had. Being an All-Star starter. And then just like his career, up and down. After the All-Star, after being a starter from the All-Star, comes back, has a great, amazing playoffs, caps it off with an amazing Finals run. We could talk about Tatum falling apart having over 100 turnovers in the playoffs. We could talk about Klay Thompson making a comeback, coming back from the Achilles, coming back from the ACL after two years of not playing, helping the Warriors win their t- championships. There's so many storylines, and we'll talk about all of these that I've mentioned. But I just want to say that, you know, as someone that lives in San Francisco, you know, good good for the Warrior fans. It's it's. I mean, as a Laker fan, I'm not too happy, but... Um, it was cool. It was cool I've seeing the parade. It was cool. It was, like, I'm excited. Hopefully, the Lakers win another title in the next few years, and they're able to have a parade that they missed out on. But it was cool. It was nice seeing the Warriors win. It was it was all right. It wasn't bad. Um, but I must say that these finals were kind of disappointing. Like, Game 4 was amazing. Steph Curry went off, 43 points, carried that team, tied the series 2-2, back and forth game, went down to the wire. That was great. Game one was a blowout. Game two was a blowout. Um, I believe game three was like a double-digit point. I think the first three games were all double digits. And then game four was super close. Really good game. Game five was a super close game. Three quarters of the way. Really good game. And then in the fourth quarter, the Warriors broke away. And and, and it didn't end up being that good of a matchup at the end. Or that good of a game at the end. And then game six, the Celtics started out real strong. It looked like, okay, you know, they're defending their home court. They're going to force a game seven. They came out, you know, very fiery with a lot of heart, with a lot of emotion. It looks like they're going to force a game seven. And then after that, they just teetered off. Tatum started turning the ball over. Brown started turning the ball over. Marcus Smart wasn't as impactful. It was just, you could tell, like at halftime, I think Stephen A. Smith put on the goggles 
And he was like, yeah, it's a wrap. Like, this is, I know I picked the Celtics to win this game, but it's a wrap. Like, let's start the celebrations. The Warriors are going to win. And they did. So overall, I think the finals were kind of disappointing. And the playoffs as a whole were disappointing. Um, I don't think it was the best playoffs or finals. I think last year's finals were better. And, you know, I would have loved, loved to have seen Giannis in there and the Bucks with a healthy Middleton going up against the Warriors. I think that would have been a better matchup. But I digress. Overall, you know, the Warriors won it. They were the better team. Real amazing storyline for them to come back, get rid of KD, go through the turmoil, get high draft picks, really suck, miss the playoffs, and then to come back all the way and win that championship is just very impressive. Like I said, Steph had a great series. He thoroughly deserves the finals MVP. There was, like, no one else that you could really give it to. Yeah, Wiggins had a good finals, but... Steph was far and away the best player in that series. He thoroughly deserves that Finals MVP. And, man, he, he has a lot of silverware this season. Finals MVP. He had the Western Conference MVP. I think it's called the Magic Johnson MVP. He, he was the All-Star Game MVP. It was just He has a lot of hardware, and he was rocking all of them during the parade. So good for Steph. Wiggins. This man can play defense now. We always knew that he was a specimen coming out of college. He was like the Maple Jordan. Like, they were giving a lot of comparisons. He played against Kobe his rookie year. He did a fadeaway against Kobe, and all the headlines were going crazy. They were comparing um, Kobe when he went up against Jordan, and they were putting those clips side by side of Jordan fading away. I mean, Kobe fading away on Jordan, and then Wiggins fading away on the late Kobe. And they were putting the clips side by side, and they were just like, He's he's next up. He's next up. He's the next one. And although he did become a 20-point scorer, he never became an efficient scorer. He never really played winning basketball. He was a liability on defense. There was a lot to be desired about Wiggins, even though for the most part, the first like five years of his career, he was a consistent 20-point scorer. There was a lot to be said. So when that trade happened for Wiggins, it was like, what are the Warriors thinking getting this contract? Like, I know... I know Nick Wright is getting a lot of flack for saying that they would never go to the finals with, after that Wiggins trade. But there was a lot of people, including myself, that were like, dude, what are they doing? Like, why are they getting Wiggins? This guy, this guy is not good. He's probably one of the most overpaid players in the league. And for him to turn that around, to play great defense, to really give Tatum fits and, like, contest every shot, block Tatum, like, numerous times, force Tatum to travel when he's closing him out and not giving him any space, it's just amazing. Wiggins, like... What a finals, man. Like, this guy, I, I wonder where he's going to go next. I think he's going to cash in. I think he's definitely going to try to get another contract. And we'll see if, I don't think a team will make him a number one, but let's see if maybe he's able to be a number two on a team and, and see how far they could go. Because this Wiggins, that's, like, you, you could tell the talent's there. Like, he could score buckets. He could he could shoot the ball. He's he's a specimen. He's a, he's a big frame. He could pretty much play good defense on anybody because he has the height, he has the length, he's pretty quick. So we'll see if he goes anywhere else. We'll see if the Warriors are able to keep him. But overall, like I got to give a round of applause to Wiggins for buying into the Warriors' way and playing good defense and just being being a great player for his role, like being the best he could be for the role that they give him. And that's just amazing. And as far as Tatum, yeah, he's 24 years old, but he's been in the league for, what, five, six years I think he'll learn from it. I think he'll learn from it, but I don't know how much more room he has to improve. Yeah, he's 24, but he's been in the league for six years. 
he's a first team all NBA. Like, do I see Tatum winning MVP? I don't know. There's a lot of young players. There's Luca. There's Giannis. There's uh, John Morant. There's a lot of players. Zion when he comes back. There's a lot of good players. Like, is he is Tatum ever gonna be better than those guys? Maybe he, he's probably better than Zion right now. But there's a lot of there's a lot of good talent out there. So, I mean, no knock on Tatum. He he's a beast. He had a great playoff run. He was their highest scorer. He was he was doing a lot of stuff for them. He's getting assists, but he needs to clean up those turnovers and just be more aggressive when the Celtics need him to be. He was a little tentative. He was aggressive when he shouldn't be aggressive. He was tentative when he was supposed to be aggressive. It was just, I don't know, he had a very bad finals, very disappointing. Um, although he's a Celtic, I, I'm, I am a Tatum fan. Like, I do wish him well in the league. Obviously, I don't wish him a championship because I'm a Laker fan, so that would be dumb for me to do but yeah i think tatum i think he's gonna be fine he has the potential to be a top like top seven top eight player if he's not there already he's probably like a top 10 top 12 player right now but um i think it was jokes it was funny to see the internet it's undefeated and everyone's gonna get it in the internet everyone's gonna get you know catch catch a stray and get some slack i think those memes are funny and i think tatum deleted one of his socials hopefully he's doing all right hopefully you know he took it in stride. He took it in the chin, and he's just getting ready for that for next year. Because, like I said, he's 24. He's he'll definitely get better, and I feel like he'll definitely learn from this. But disappointing series from Tatum, nonetheless. And to wrap it up, Clay Thompson gets his fourth title after missing two years. Like that's crazy, man. When I used to play soccer back in the day, I used to suffer from a lot of injuries too. Like my ankles were weak. My knees always gave me trouble, and, you know, there, I was just missing games left and right, like, for little stuff, my heel or something, and it was a bitch. It was sad seeing your teammates out there putting in the effort, and you're just hurt. Like, I'm, like, two weeks away from coming back or, or whatever. It was always a bitch to be on the sidelines and not be able to see or help your team out. So, I, And that's just the youth level, like, playing club. This is this is the NBA. This is, like, professionals. This you're used to winning championships. You you have three rings when this happened to Clay. Like, I can only imagine how hard that must have been. And now he's all the way back. I think he's going to be better next year. He's going to have his feet under him. He's going to have a whole offseason to really, you know, get back to the old Clay Thompson. But, man, that was a great story. During the parade, I almost got into Clay Thompson's bus. That would have been that would have been great if I was able to sneak in. I got two two feet into their bus, but they kicked me out. So it is what it is. It was nice to uh, see Clay Thompson. He's probably my favorite my favorite uh, Warrior. If I had to pick one, but overall, the Warriors thoroughly deserve this championship, and it's just a great storyline to see the Warriors win again. Um, like I said, I'm not happy that they won as a Laker fans, but I could appreciate. Um, taking a step back, just being a regular, just basketball fan, not not a Laker fan, I could appreciate what the Warriors have done and how they were able to bounce back from uh, you know having a top five pick to winning another championship. And shout out to Steph for uh, being Finals MVP and carrying that team when they needed to get carried. And shout out to the role players for really stepping up, like Game Five, Game Six. They really showed up um, after a lot of. People were saying Steph had no help. Like the the role players definitely showed up, game five and six to close that series out. But like I said, shout out to the Warriors for their what is it? How many titles they got now? They got seven titles now. Shout out to the Warriors for their seventh title. 
Kyrie Irving apparently has six teams that he would consider asking a trade for. The Lakers, the Clippers, the Knicks, the Heat, the Mavs, the 76ers. All very interesting. 76ers, he would be back with Harden and he would play with Embiid. I don't know how that would work. That would be pretty fun, I guess. With the Mavs, Luka, Kyrie, they just traded for Wood. Um, they wouldn't have defense at all with at the, at the guard position with Luka and Kyrie. So, you know, I'm not too sure about that. The Heat, they'll probably get rid of Kyle, Kyle Lowry and uh, put Irving in there. That, that'll probably help them out a lot because they lacked a lot of offense during the playoffs. It was just Jimmy G buckets. The G stands for gets. So they, they could probably use Kyrie Irving the most. The Knicks need all the help they could get. The Clippers would be very, very dangerous if Kyrie Irving ends up there. Um, with Kawhi and PG having three closers, three people that could, you know, close the game out, that could be clutch, that could score from anywhere. That would be ridiculous. So I gave the rundown for all those five teams. If you're a fan of any of those five teams, I think it would be a good thing um, to get Kyrie Irving, depending what Kyrie Irving you get. But the one I want to focus on is the Lakers, because according to Woj, the Lakers are strong candidates. And I'm a Laker fan, so let's talk about it. Kyrie Irving back with LeBron James. We all know what happened in 2016. They defeated the best team ever, the best regular season team ever, the 2015-2016 Warriors that had just broken the the Bulls' record for most wins in a season. And they came back from 3-1, beat them 4-3. Kyrie Irving and LeBron were, like, spectacular. There's always that graphic of Kyrie Irving and LeBron James in the final where they both went for, like, 40-plus points, just carrying the Mavs. Scoring like damn near like two thirds of their points in the finals, you know, running back. A lot of people are saying running back, running back. I, I would be down. I would definitely be down if it means that we're keeping AD and Kyrie Irving's taking the pay cut and he signs with us for like the mid level exception for six million dollars. I would be totally down. Like if that's the if that's the case, if Kyrie Irving opts out of his player option with Brooklyn to sign with us for a mid-level exception for $6 million and we don't have to really give up anybody, I'm down. If he opts in to his player option and we're talking about trading AD to get Kyrie, I'm like, I'm not even considering that. I, that would, In my opinion, that would be a very, very dumb trade. Because, like, yeah, a lot of people are saying running back with Kyrie and LeBron. Well, AD and LeBron already won together, too, with the, with the Lakers. And in my opinion, AD is a better player than Kyrie. He he gives you a lot on offense, and he gives you like a lot way more on defense. And like AD has been injury prone, but Kyrie Irving has also been injury prone, and he's a little weird. He's a little weird. He's gonna miss games for you know odd circumstances. He's gonna he's nothing against Kyrie. Like he could believe whatever he wants, but he's a little weird. It's just the way it is. He's gonna miss games for like some odd reason for being anti bags. For you know, celebrating his sister's birthday for like a whole month, just he's gonna take time off. He's gonna do his thing. Like shout out to Kyrie Irving for being in that position where he could do that. But he's gonna miss time. AD, he's gonna miss time too. But hopefully, you know, the injuries at some point will stop and he will be able to just play 70, 75 games a season. It, so that's that's all I'm saying. If we get him for six million dollars, he takes a big pay cut and he signs for like the mid level exception dude yeah dude take it all the way to the bank let's get Kyrie Irving AD Kyrie LeBron 
hopefully we get some, you know, some buyouts in the middle of the season. We sign some veterans for the vet minimum in this offseason and we fill out the roster and we we take hopefully someone takes uh, Westbrook's contract and we're able to move on from him. That would be amazing. If we trade AD to get Kyrie, then hell no. Nah, there's no way. I'm not doing that. If, if we're trading AD, I want to get like a blue chipper, like a someone that's not doesn't have baggage and stuff like that. Maybe a little bit worse than AD, but he's reliable. He's not injury prone. He's going to play damn near 82 games a season. That's who I would want. I wouldn't want like another player with a lot of baggage who's also injury prone. Who's a small frame who can't play defense? Like that's not who I would trade. AD. That's not who I want to get back for AD. But like I said, if he wants to take that fat pay cut and just sign with us for six million dollars, play on the mid level, like by all means, I, dude, I'm all aboard that that plan. If it means trading AD, like cut me out. There's no way that happens. And as far as do I believe it's gonna happen? I don't think it's gonna happen. I think. They're going to run it back. I think Kyrie Irving and KD are going to stay with the with the Nets. I think this is all smoke and mirrors for Kyrie. Eventually, the Nets are going to fold, and they're going to offer him the max. And Kyrie is going to sign with, with the Nets, probably for a five-year max. And they're just going to suck it up, and they're going to run it back. That's what I think. But wishful thinking, Lakers always, you know, that toxic positivity and optimism that the Laker fans have. <laughs> I would like to believe that there is a chance for Kyrie Irving to, you know, just be super offended with the Nets and just be like, you know what, I'm going to sign with the Lakers for $6 million. Fuck it. But, like I said, I think he's eventually they're going to offer him the max. He's going to take it, and they're going to run it back. Can Berrettini win Wimbledon 2022? He wins Stuttgart, and then he follows that up, defending his title at Queens. He is now 32-3 and since 2019, and he's 20-1 in grass since the beginning of last season. That one loss coming to Djokovic last year in the finals of Wimbledon 2021. And although he did lose in four sets and Djokovic did look dominant, there's nothing wrong with that. Like Djokovic was going for the Golden Grand Slam at that point. He potentially could have won the gold medal and he made it to the finals of the U.S. Open. And like, you know, he was going for history. He was going for the best season ever. Djokovic was on a good one last year. He was basically unbeatable. He was untouchable. It took basically two players to defeat him at the U.S. Open with Zverev taking him like to the blink, to the brink of losing in the semis, and then Medvedev finishing the job when it looked like Djokovic didn't have legs in the final. So Djokovic was on a hot one last year. There's nothing wrong with Berrettini losing to him in the finals, but as we've seen this year, Berrettini coming back from injury, not having any form going into Queens going into Stuttgart and winning both of them. I think it shows how good Berrettini is on grass and how good that that surface fits his game. He has a great serve. His forehand's amazing, and he has a really good slice. So, like, we'll see. We'll see. Um, today, he was practicing with Nadal at the center court at Wimbledon. And, you know, for most of the clips, there's a, <laughs> there's a lot of people saying that, you know, is being a little sly because... During practice, he's not really targeting his back end. And um, when it comes down to it, when, when the lights are shining bright, when Wimbledon's, you know, going, he's definitely going to target that back end. And we'll see how Berrettini is able to respond because that's one of his weaknesses. If, if people just keep peppering that back end, like eventually he'll fold and he'll have like an unforced error or he'll have a mistake. 
like we saw that at the Australian Open. And although it is a different surface, it's, it's a hard court instead of grass. It is one of the ways to beat Berrettini to just target that, punish that backhand. So we'll see if he's able to, um, you know, keep that at bay and just punish people, control the control the game, dictate dictate the speed of the of the rally with his forehand and with his backhand slice. But man, I'm I'm pumped. I'm pumped to see Berrettini at Wimbledon. Like I said, he's one of the better players on grass. I'm pumped to see Djokovic um, maybe catch fire because he hasn't had the best 2022. We we all know what happened at Australian Open. We saw that he had to miss the the, the beginning of the U.S. swing with uh, Indian Wells and the Miami Open. So we'll see. We'll see what Djokovic we get for Wimbledon. We'll see if Nadal's foot holds up. We'll see if Kyrgios is able to hold it together. But overall, like Herkaz, he's coming in hot to Wimbledon too. Medvedev would have been coming in hot too, but he's not going to be able to play. So we'll see. We'll see. I definitely think Bertini has a good chance. Like I said, he's a finalist. So it's, it's it's not like out of the world that he could win it. But like I said, he's coming from an injury. He missed a lot of time like these last few months with that injury. And Nadal is going for the calendar. Another player going for a calendar Grand Slam this year, almost parallel parallels to last year. We'll see how far Berrettini is able to go. But I'm excited. I, I like what I've seen at Queens. I've liked what I've seen at Stuttgart. He did really good against a lot of good players during those two tournaments. Yeah, Murray looked like he got a little hurt in the finals. So. Maybe that that was why uh, he wasn't able to keep up. But overall, Berrettini, like I said, he fits grass so well. And um, playing in the all-white, playing at center court, I think it seems to fit him. Like I said, he's gone to the semifinal of every single major. So Berrettini is definitely used to going deep in majors. Finalist last year, I think he has a very good chance of winning it this year. I'm not going to say, I'm not going to go on a limb and say he's going to win. I think I'm going to do another podcast to do my full Wimbledon prediction. But definitely seeing him at least getting to the final eight and almost guaranteed semifinals. Like the way he's playing, unless he has a, like a brutal route, a brutal draw where he's just facing like a lot of top players. Alcaraz is going to be there too. We'll see how he's coming back from injury. But Peratini, like I said, this guy's easy to root for. He he's always has a smile on his face. And last year ended a little disappointing. Um, the ATP Finals, having to leave because of injury. First time he made it to the ATP Finals, I believe. And he had to leave because of injury, because uh, I think it, something on his ribs or his pick or something like that. So if he's able to win his maiden trophy at Wimbledon, that would be great. But what do you guys think? Can Berrettini win it? Or are you know the big two right now, Djokovic, Nadal, are they going to stop him? Is it going to be somebody else, her cats, who's been playing great? Uh, let me know. What do you guys think? I think Bertini has a good chance. But do I think he's going to win it? Eh, we'll see. After 11 years in the league, Rob Gronkowski has announced his retirement, his second retirement. Is this the one? Is he really going to stay retired this time? There's a lot of people saying that this is another, like, fake retirement. He's busting a Brett Favre. He's going to keep coming back. A lot of people are saying that he just doesn't want to deal with the long season, 17 games and playoffs. It's too much. For, you know, basically one of the all-time greats, a legend. He doesn't really have to prove anything in the regular season. He's pretty much just playing for ranks. So a lot of people are saying that he's going to he's gonna retire to, like, midseason, maybe week 10, week 12. He's going to come back, get his legs under him, play, like, four or five games in the regular season, and then get into form for the playoffs and try to win another ring. I could definitely see that. 
that makes a lot of sense, especially with someone of the character of Rob Gronkowski, who um, there's a lot of stories of how he doesn't like working out. You know, he faked workouts with the Patriots, um, you know, did one workout with a bunch of different shirts on the same day, just changed shirts, recorded it, made it seem like he was doing multiple workouts or like he was working out for different days when he did all those recordings in one day. So Rob Gronkowski is definitely, he fits the bill as someone that would do that, someone that would retire just to not do, you know, training camp, OTAs, mini camps, you know, preseason, all that stuff where, you know, you're not playing with full pads, you're just going through the motions, you're just studying, you're just going through the playbook. And Rob Gronkowski, he's joked about it, like, on late-night shows and stuff like that, just saying that, like, he doesn't really study the playbook, he just kind of runs forward and ask for the ball and he just kind of looks at tom brady and he throws in the ball which is like a lot of people have kind of debunked that and be like nah he, he definitely has to study the playbook and he definitely puts his fair share of of study hours and i do think he does like he you don't become that good by not you know studying at all but I, he is like a fun living personality so I, I could see why he would say that just to like you know fit his persona but if this is it, if Gronkowski is retiring for reals his, on his second retirement, like, what a career, man. Rob Gronkowski, for my money, he's the third best tight end of all time. I think Tony Gonzalez is still the best tight end ever. I would put the all-time leader in receiving touchdowns for a tight end, number two, Antonio Gates. And then I'll put Rob Gronkowski, number three. But without with saying that, that he's the top three tight end of all time, if you were to ask me, who would I pick? Which player I would pick for one year? Just pick peak, their peak of their prowess, their best season ever, their best moment ever. Who would I pick? Like prime, prime Gates, prime Tony Gonzalez, or prime Rob Gronkowski? I'm almost definite, I'm almost sure that I would pick Rob Gronkowski. Like Rob Gronkowski's peak was like the highest peak ever dude like you could see him just mauling people just being super athletic going over the top going through the middle stiff arming people to the ground like just hurdling tacklers just dragging people to the end zone just spiking the ball over everybody rob gronkowski's peak as a tight end was the best peak ever as a tight end so like i said in my for my book the longevity that gates and tony gonzalez had is still unmatched by Rob Gronkowski. He still needs a couple more years, a couple more touchdowns, you know, to really cement himself as, like, the best tight end ever, in my opinion. But if you were to pick, if you were to tell me to just pick the peak, the very peak, their best season ever or their best moments ever, I would say give me Gronkowski and get get out of the way, you know, because he was that good. As far as him staying retired, I mean, I wouldn't mind either way. Like, I don't think, the Buccaneers are going to win win it again. So him retiring or unretiring, I don't think he's going to have too, too much impact on the regular season or the playoffs. It would be cool to see him. Like, it's always nice to see Ron Gronkowski on the field because he's such a personality and he's such a good player. But for my money, like, if I were to put money on it, I would say that Rob Gronkowski is going to stay retired. Like, this is it. He's not going to keep retiring and unretiring. Like, this is, this is it. And this is Brady's last year, so... For like it looks like it's the last year he's shaping up. He's gonna you know commentate for Fox. He has that big deal. I think it was ten years, three hundred twenty million dollars. That's waiting for him. So you know he might he might only retire just because this is for all on all likelihood Brady's last year. So he might just 
running back for the last like five games or whatever. But I think he's going to stay retired. I don't think he's going to retire. I think he's going to, you know, get into a reality TV show. He might start his own podcast. He has a big personality. He likes to talk. Uh, he might do more commercials. I don't know. I think he's just ready for retirement. He's, he looks like a dude that's ready for retirement to just kick it at South Beach, make some money doing commercials and, you know, selling ads and marketing and all that stuff. But overall, he's one of the greats. He's one of the all-time greats. And I'm going to miss him. Like, the NFL needs personality. Sports as a whole just need personalities, need people that are different, need people that don't just give you the same boring answers every single day, that don't just, you know. A lot of players just look like like those answers that you could reply on 2K or like are, are on NFL and you're my player on my, my career. A lot of people just look like those same responses. Like, they're just robots. They have no personality. And Ron Gronkowski was the opposite of that. He was, like, the biggest personality in the NFL. He was a shining star. Well, so I'm going to miss that about Gronkowski, and I hope he has a great retirement. But that should do it for this episode of the Hard to Handle Sports Podcast, episode number 93. If you made it to the end, as always, thank you so much for listening, and have a great rest of your night. <laughs>